Hi there, and welcome to Newsworthy. This is Brian Crescenti, the executive editor of Polygon, and Newsworthy is an interview show that aims to talk about the intersection of news and games with newsmakers and thought leaders both inside and outside the game industry. Today, we sit down with Tracy Fullerton, game designer, educator, author, and head of one of the top game design programs in North America, USC Games. For the past 16 years, the Game Developers Conference has been host to the Game Developers Choice Awards. The award show names the best games of the year, but it also hands out the Pioneer and Ambassador Awards, created to honor game makers and thinkers who have created new technology or helped make the game industry a better place. This year's Ambassador Award winner is Tracy Fullerton for her work not only with the rising stars of the game industry, but her own innovative and unusual game design ideas. From nurturing the early works of Genova Chen and Kelly Santiago and others to her ongoing effort to transform Walden into a game, Fullerton's impact on the game industry is undeniable. I chatted with her the day after she received the award to discuss how she got into teaching and what drives her as a game maker. Let's have a listen. Let's let's start with the with the not the ending, but the the reason I'm talking to you today. Yes. Which is uh, last night you last went night. up in front of a big audience and accepted a really prestigious award. I did. I did. I'm I'm uh, really you know I, I'm still sort of blown away first by the honor and also by the experience. Was uh, and it was the ambassador. The award? ambassador award, yes. What? How is that? How is that explained to you, or how did they present well, you? Uh, uh, I mean, it was presented to me as being an award for making the game industry a better place. Wow. Whatever that means, and yet I know exactly what that means because it's it's something that's been hot on my you know priority list for a long, long time. And it's one of the reasons I went into education. So you, you can you talk a little bit about how you got started into this? Because it sounds like your route was a little different than a lot of people. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I was in the um, kind of strange, you know, aspects of the commercial game industry. I, I made really experimental stuff even in com- the, my commercial career. So things like uh, games for uh, theater, interactive theaters. It was a partnership with Sony. And then I made interactive television, massively multiplayer interactive television that we did for MTV and NBC and uh, a lot of different shows that wanted to have multiplayer games in sync with their with their uh, television shows. Yeah. And I made uh, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy, the first multiplayer versions for, for Sony. Uh, one of the earliest multiplayer casual games for, for Microsoft. So I was doing a lot of really weird... Um, early, you know, always like early on the arc of, of, of particular uh, industries that some of which haven't happened yet or still threatening to happen, like interactive television. But and, yeah. And so it was was uh, well, actually, let me ask: How did you get into that? Did you when you before you were a game designer? Was that your goal to be a game designer? No, oh, you know, um, I you know I grew up and I was one of the first generation of people who played games. So you know, when I was twelve and we got Kong, everything changed. Uh, but really, we got a computer, we got a Commodore sixty four, and that same summer, we also got a Super Eight camera, and we made games, and we made films, and we made you know all sorts of things. And it all all to me was a kind of media making that was mixed up together. Um, but there was no place to go to school to make games. Right. There was definitely, there was, I was kind of hot topic when I was growing up to go to school to make films. So everyone sort of pushed me that direction. 
And I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And, and I did. I went to school to make films. And when I got out of school, the very first job I got was in the sort of burgeoning tech industry. And I never looked back. It was so much fun. Actually, I had one job in film, but they just made me go pick stuff up, you know, lunches and, right. and laundry and stuff. And that fun. was unfun. But when I went, you know, I had this, this job at, a, at a, a startup company and making these educational, uh, uh, sort of uh, playful educational systems. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, everyone here is super smart, super fun. And they're, every day is figuring out problems, you know. Right. Uh, and so I just was like, that's for me. So how did you, you, you obviously transitioned into game design, and then at some point I know you went to USC. Uh, what, what, fill that gap in for me. How did so that I happen? Went to, I went to, USC is where I went and studied film, uh, and, and I graduated in 91, and then I, I you know, got that first job in tech. Right. And um, that was more of an educational tech, uh, you know, sort of the early days of educational games and media. And then I, I um, applied to a, a startup in New York where they were making what they called cinematic games. You know, and it was, I don't know, you, you remember, there was this kind of moment when CD-ROMs and, D, and DVDs oh, right. came and everyone was like, oh, we're going to have, you know, these yes. cinematic games, right? I can only think of a terrible <laughs> example, unfortunately, but like Night Stalker. Exactly. Yeah. And we made them for theaters. So, um, you know, that was a different angle and you didn't have to have a, a at the time high-end, you know, PC with, with a CD-ROM or DVD, right, right. DVD drive, you know. Uh, so I got into that. I was so excited about this notion of using these cutting-edge technologies at the time cutting-edge uh, to, to make these games that had more emotion in them and had real characters and had, you know, um, a sense of plot and story. And it was super hard. And the thing that I learned was that games, these games that I was, had been playing all my life, actually had all that. They just were, it was sometimes hard to discern, you know, over right. the action and, 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 you know, with the technology we had at the time, it was just sometimes hard to discern. But that they were actually working, coming closer than what I was trying to do with the cinematic uh, games. And I, you know, sort of kept moving more and more closer to games. So, you know, I, I wound up pitching uh, a game show this idea, this animated character who is a kind of uh, hipster, you know, nightclub, uh, you know, MC of a game show <coughs> to Microsoft. And that was, again, trying to bring together my interests in right. uh, uh, characters and, and, and media and making games. We built this really early multiplayer game show that was seen by the guys at Sony and they asked me to do Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune and so forth and so on. It was all kind of like a building on uh, each piece um, and at, you know, at a certain point, when I just I, I had my own company and I was teaching part time, and I thought, what is the f- most fun that I that I do that I have every week? And it was really going down to USC, working with the students, and thinking about games that were experimental, that you know weren't necessarily within the constraints of today's options for the platforms. You could use platforms that might have a five to ten year lead, right. you know, because that was good. That's a good thing in academic research, right, to be right, right. really thinking outside the curve, right? So you, did you then go to, uh, full-time teaching? Yeah, I, trans- I, I, I uh, kind of made my move from academia in 2004, I mean, to academia in 2004, and uh, 
I started working full-time as a assistant professor at USC, and we were just beginning to develop the, the game program there. Um, some of my first students, of course, Kelly and Genova, right. who, who sent me the award last night. That was a, that, I have to ask, just to interrupt, that was very touching. That seemed, was it as, as personal as it seemed? It, it, it really was. I mean, when they asked me who I wanted to give me the award, I might cry right now, actually. <laughs> but when they asked me who, who I wanted to, you know, give me the award, I said, There's, you know, there, that was my top just right away, I knew right. Kelly and Genova, right? And I remember, uh, was their first game, I might be wrong about this, was their first game Cloud or something? Yes. It was, okay. Yeah. So how, just, I know maybe everybody hasn't seen this game, but this is a game where you were, I think, a child in a hospital? Yes. And he I, was sad. He couldn't leave the hospital, right. so he would dream. You'd have these dreams where you'd fly out of the hospital up into the clouds and make friends with the clouds. And you could draw with the clouds, and then there were these dark clouds that seemed threatening and scary at first. But it turned out when you mixed them with your white clouds, and there was a sort of you know moment of, of magic where rain came, and it wasn't a bad thing at all. It would actually cleanse the island of, of pollution. Right. So where uh, when that came out, where were they in their state? Was it was it? I should back up. Was it the two of them, or who was it that worked on that? So Genova pitched the idea, and there was actually a team of about um, I think it was like six or seven students, um, and uh, including Vincent Diamante, who's you know gone on to do uh, music for a number of, of other projects uh, with them, and um, uh, a bunch of other folks who've gone their own way in the game industry. But Genova pitched the idea. What had happened was Electronic Arts had given us a great gift, and they'd endowed the uh, Game Innovation Lab um, and given us the ability to produce these grants, these Game Innovation Grants. So we held that up as a carrot. We wanted to make fully realized student games that attacked important new angles in game design. And at the time, if anyone can remember, it's so hard to remember, student games, people would say to me, but you know... Right. You just can't make an interesting student game because yeah. they don't have the technology and they won't be able to complete it, and it just won't be of any interest whatsoever. That right. was the common wisdom right back then. And, and also, I, I think it was a time period when indies were, not to say indies aren't indies now, but they were really indie then because they didn't exist. They just really didn't have a community. There was no, I mean, there were people doing things, right? but no one knew about each other, right? So and we didn't know about anyone else. So, you know, we had this idea. We, so we put up this carrot. We said... Pitch us ideas that are going to just absolutely shatter conceptions about games. And we had a lot of great ideas come in. And some were safer. Some people on the panel choosing wanted to go with some of the safer ideas. And I'm like, this is the most interesting idea. And at the time, it really wasn't Cloud. It was this alien child, as Genova mentioned in his speech. It was kind of this alien child. And there was some a little bit of like invasion-ness to it. And like, but still, the idea of using these clouds and building these clouds, and, you know, we can we can really make something interesting here. Right. We chose it and we worked on it as a team through the summer. We didn't at that time have a full like like we do now, a big capstone uh, curriculum. We didn't have all the resources. We didn't have everything. So it's really this merry band of us, like just trying to figure out how do you make student games? How do you make? How do you finish student games? How do you actually make a game that? doesn't have any of the resources of a triple-A game, but still uses the small scope that it can be to do something, to strike out, you know, somewhere important in the, in the, the landscape. You know? Right, right. And we, you know, we put it together, we had no, no knowledge of what was going to happen, and I remember when we launched it, 
the crazy thing was is we didn't even have a server to put it on, so we put it on one of the student servers, and um, we got. I gave a talk in Australia and got covered <laughs> on some in Australia at the newspaper. And, like ten thousand people came and, and downloaded the game, and and the, the server like just blew up because he didn't have enough you know bandwidth. He was right, like right. he hadn't paid for it, right? <laughs> right so we right. had this huge bill. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. And I went to the university, and I said, I have to put it on your servers. So we did. We put it on their, your right, servers. Right. And then it snowballed. And, you know, like 100,000 people came and got it. And the university wow. came to get it off of there. You're using up our bandwidth, right? That's funny. That's a, a good problem for them. Man. It was a good problem. And we went to EA, who had, you know, helped us. Right. And we said, please help us. And, and actually, I believe to this day, the game may sit on EA servers. If I'm not wow. Mistaken. So it's that's where it's hosted, or it was hosted, it's, at least. Yeah. I believe it's hosted at EA servers still. It's interesting. I, I, I'm just curious in sort of figuring out where I saw it. I know I saw it somewhere before GDC. But we were at Slamdance. I don't know. I it, might, you know, I might have actually. Was that the, uh, what year was that? 2006. January 2006. Okay, okay yeah. It was the several months before. Because we came in 2006 to, to GDC with it. Right, and I remember that distinctly. Yeah. And I think it was... Uh, Genova was it? It was was it all of them or just a couple of them? That oh, came? oh, we had a whole crew and everybody had shirts. I remember the shirts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we brought a whole we brought like uh, like ten or twelve kits. Uh, so when you were going back to developing it, you said you know we and a merry band. Was that everybody in taking that class basically or taking that it, it program? It was technically a research project. Okay. Because we had this grant. And we said, basically gave them the grant as a budget. It was, it was twenty or twenty-five thousand dollars. I can't remember. And it was sort of like, here's your pizza budget, and you know everybody got a little hourly wage. And um, uh, though most of the time they would forget to, because they were so excited about making the game, they right. forget to clock in. <laughs> but we basically had a little grant for them to not take summer jobs, instead oh, okay. to stay and, and work on cloud. What, um, when that came out, where were they, where were most of those students in the program? Like, were they preparing to they graduate? They were second or? years. Oh, second year, okay. So in the three-year MFA program. So then they actually went on, and Genova made Flow as his third-year um, final project. Right, okay. And uh, Kelly made a gesture-based version of Cloud. Oh, wow. I, I guess I did. Oh, no, I do actually remember that. Yeah. You, you could control you the could child. Fly, yeah. Right. fly, the child. Um, what sort of impact do you think, going back to cloud, the original cloud, what sort of impact do you think it had on student games and indie games? Like, do you think it was impactful? I do. I mean, for first, I mean, there is two, two things. I mean, just in a technical sense, a lot of student games, and I used to judge for the early, you know, IGF and just early contests. Um, a lot of student games just they didn't have installers. Sometimes you had to compile the code yourself. I mean, if you can believe it, that's what you got. You know, they weren't finished. They they were always breaking. And and we, I wanted to enforce a level of polish on them. Right. So I mean, we really you know we debugged this thing as much as we could. We made a jewel case with marketing materials. We 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 really tried to present it as much as possible as a small little you know finished polished project but, and that's that's sort of more producerial on the on the other side and, and that raised the bar because after that everybody started doing it right, right? right. Um, on the other side of that was that um, we struck out into this very strange territory of emotions right right we said outright the goal you know the design goal here is that we want to make a game that explores all these other emotions that are not currently being looked at or you know they're just underused in games, right, right right something that's tender 
I mean, when do you have a game that's tender, right? Right. Uh, Especially back then. Like Especially it was, back then, yeah. right? And so, we, you know, we wanted to go there. We wanted to go there. And uh, and I think that really said to people, you know, it, got, it went viral, and a lot of people around the world played it. People sent us letters, and, and it really encouraged us. Right. And in turn, that encouraged other people, I think, to say, hey, look at the success that they're having. Um, we could do something really emotional and, and explore these other areas as well. Right, and, and if you look at his history and his team's history, Flow, uh, Flower, and Journey, and, and Journey, like they're all emotional, evocative games Absolutely. that are not typical. Uh, they set out when they when they took you know when, when they left the university and started the company. Um, that was a, 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 a you know real forming goal of the company. They wanted to make these emotional experiences. It's funny because and, and nothing against any company that says this, but it's like that's one of those things you hear all Everybody the time. Everybody says it. And then and then they produce you know a first person shooter. I know. But it's very rare for especially a, a fledgling company that's just getting started to say that and then stick to their guns. No pun intended. I know. Um, so tell me a little bit about the program. There obviously evolved over time as well. Yes. How did that happen? Kind of in time with you working with these students. Well, I think you know they. Uh, they're what I call the, you know, the first pancakes, right? right? And, and you know, we've really changed a lot uh, since then. I hope we've kept the core of what really helped them in their careers. But some of the things that they were missing, we've tried to address, you right. know? Some of the production management skills, the scoping skills, you know, the just the, the understanding of the industry. Like, how does money work, you know? Because we <laughs> Oh, when you get a check from the publisher, where do you put that? In your personal bank account? No, 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 no. Right. <laughs> yes. You should teach a class for Kickstarter, I think. We actually do now have a startup class. Oh, really? And that's one of the things a startup class does is talk about Kickstarting. Right. So you, that, that's that's what's happened over the years. But So we've tried to address a lot of those, I guess, tactical issues, right? Um, but what we have that's always been there and I think is really unique and critical is we have a community of people who are willing to be vulnerable to each other and support each other's seeking of these, these more emotional aspects of, of gameplay. And, you know, you say people stick, they, they start, oh, we're going to be making emotional gameplay, blah, blah, blah. But, you, know, you go to work every day, and you've got your layers on, and you're not emotionally emotionally vulnerable. And it's really hard to make a piece of media of any kind, much less games, that it that has that vulnerability in it. If you're not open, if you're not trusting your team, if your team is in sort of you know kind of macho land, right? It's you know, and and that's not a gender thing. That's just everybody has that when we put on our game face and we you know say, okay, we're not showing things. Then it's hard to be a open, you know, expressive media maker. You have to have an environment. You have to create an environment where it's okay for people to say, "I'm not feeling it." Right. What do we? What is? What have we done here to make people feel it? You know. So, in the program, um, was it founded with the idea of blending uh, film and video games, or is that something that evolved into? Well, it, okay. So, the program again has evolved. Um, the MFA program that Kelly and Genova graduated from is in the School of Cinematic Arts. Okay. And um, so, of course, it was born uh, under the uh, kind of, you know, the historical, you know, foundation of a media school, an expressed 
people learning to become expressive media makers. And that is still a big part of our MFA program. The program has grown, and of course we now also have a BA. We also have an MS, and we have a BS, and we have oh, PhDs wow. on both the um, computer science side and the interactive media and game side. And all these people work together in a community. So, you know, uh, everyone comes at it from their own bias and their own interest. Uh, I would say uh, in the interactive media and games, that slice of USC games, um, yes, it's very much founded to be a place where you can come to learn to be an expressive game designer, developer, someone who, who's able to create a community in your own environment, in your own team, where people can bring you know the emotion and bring the, the skills to make this, this medium what I think it has the you know, ability to become. Do you, uh, you have, uh, over the years, you've also, I think, accrued, obviously, more teachers and professors. Yes. That seems like, is that, externally, from my point of view, it seems like that's really sped up recently. Am I wrong about that? Or? No, it's really grown. I mean, first of all, we have really some huge heavy hitters. I'm just going to call out, for example, Richard Marsha right. uh, from you know Uncharted, who joined us now three, four years ago. Uh, Richard is not only a stellar, you know, an expert in, in game design, but he is... Um, He's also a person who's super curious about so many aspects of culture, music, and the arts, and um, he he brings all that passion and shows these young people how important it is to be engaged in culture if you're going to make culture. Right, right. right. So Richard's like top that list, but then you know, I mean, I can just keep going. So Sam Roberts, who runs our program and is a co-founder of IndieK, and um, uh, Gordon Bellamy, you know, who used to run the, the um, IGDA, and we have uh, Danny Bilson, who used to run um, uh, THQ, and we have, uh, yeah, I mean, Jane Pinkard, and we have uh, Mark, uh, we have Margaret Poser, um, who's an experimental game designer from New York, and um, my God, I'm forgetting people. No, but like, <laughs> but like, so do you, how is it that you attract, because the people you're naming are all people who are sort of known for being... Uh, this is a, probably a stupid way of putting it, and certainly not meant to be insulting. But dreamers, yeah, like they're people who are point. like really have an interesting take, and they're not sort of in this rut. Yeah. So how are you finding those people? Are they finding I, you? I, I have always got my eye out for them. I mean, a lot of them will tell you with a laugh that it all became began with a lunch with Tracy. So um, you're head hunting. I, 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 I'm sort of seducing a little bit. <laughs> I mean, seriously, a number of people. I just I see them, and when I see people come into our classes, and that's how a lot of people start. They come into our classes to give lectures oh, or right. critiques, right? And what I look for is people who know how to really come to the moment with students and be generous and open, and and not just speaking from their own. You know, this is I would never publish this, or I would never you know design it this way. But eliciting questions, giving questions to the students, eliciting responses to get them to come up with the answers for their own designs. Not you know, it, it's a kind of generosity of spirit right. that makes it is important. So not only being a dreamer, I think, but being super generous with those dreams. Do you, in terms of the students you get? As you said, it's hard to make something emotional if the people aren't willing to be emotional in the creation. How are you? 
how are you getting students to do that, especially students who are yeah. in college and probably yeah. not as emotionally open as other people? Well, here's a brilliant thing. It's you just, I mean, you just have to give people permission. Actually, everybody wants that. Who doesn't want to work in an environment where everyone is mindful and caring and supportive of each other? Right. We all do. But since we usually don't, we put on our game face and then we become the enemy, right? But if you just get permission, simply we model it. I mean, the professors, we model it with each other, we model it with the students. And what's so great is that our students have picked up that expectation and now they're the standard bearers. They're driving us. They're saying we need to have more diversity, we need to have more inclusive. And they're actually holding town halls and discussing diversity themselves, you know? And, you know, that makes me really proud because you can't do it all alone. Uh, you you also, it's, it would be easy to forget, I think, uh, that you also make games. I know. Isn't that crazy? I, I yes. Mean, <laughs> it is crazy. So are you, I, I've never been clear on this, are you making the games, is this something you're doing in your quote-unquote spare quote time? Quote-unquote spare time. So it's not part of the program. It's, so the way it works is that uh, I teach. I'm, uh, I'm in the classroom. I'm also administrator. So I'm, you know, in the, in the, the meetings. And then I also have my secret little, you know, cabal on the third floor, which is my research lab. And it's essentially a little mini startup for experimental games within the university. And it's it, it's not part of the curriculum. However, many students come up and work with us in the Game Innovation Lab oh, on okay. these projects. And it's multiple projects that are going on? We have seven projects in production. They're sponsored usually by a kind of any a grant like so we're sponsored by the NEA by the National Endowment for the Humanities um, uh, we have grants from NASA and uh, right now and we've had in the past grants from the Gates Foundation and the Department and, of Education and I have to say because you went right through that you you were one of the first programs to have is it NEA yes. support for a yes. game yes. I mean, that's a big deal it is a big the deal. whole you know is our it arts games so <laughs> proud I mean and you know there are many people who helped uh you know, rewrite those those uh, that call for media arts. You know, the media arts, the the call that goes out for people to apply never included the word games, right? Oh, right. Okay. Um, I think it maybe said digital art or something like that, but games were not specifically included. Uh, and several years ago, they rewrote that and they included the word games. And we were awarded one of the first grants under those new guidelines that's for Walden. What, and, uh, that's a uh, Walden. Yeah. Good. Because I want to talk to you about. Yeah. Walden. So, uh, I know I, I went to your talk, I think it was two years ago, yes. about Walden, and uh, it's a really neat idea. We're um, coming down the home stretch. So, explain, what in, in a nutshell, what is Walden? Well, you know, Henry David Thoreau, when he went down to the woods to do this experiment in, in simple living, um, set out rules for himself, really. You know, he had sort of a, a system, he said... These are the necessary things of life, and they're food, fuel, shelter, and clothing, and that's what I, that's the bare minimum I need to survive. Okay. Well, then, that's the first couple of chapters, and then the rest of the book is all about the other half, which is, what does it take to inspire us, to give us a relationship with nature and with ideas and with each other, right? And so, in the game, we model that in a sort of classic, there's like two pots of mana, if you will. There's energy and there's inspiration, and you have to caretake both of them. 
You have to make sure you're, you know, surviving. You have enough food and fuel and shelter and clothing and all those bare minimum things that a lot of games have. Right. Right? Um, but at the same time, you need to take time out of every day in the game to walk the woods, to look for the small beauties that are there, to read some of the books you might find scattered in those woods. There are quests as well that might help you seek that inspiration. You meet with Emerson and he sends you on quests to find these sort of um, classic books of philosophy. Or, um, so, yeah. and, and then the idea then is that you're um, essentially feeding your spirit and your... And, and your body. And your body. Right? And you're trying to keep those things in balance. And when you do keep them in balance, then these little arrowheads, these sparkling arrowheads, will appear in the woods. And those arrowheads, you collect them in your game journal and you wind up writing your own version of Walden. Now, if you spend all your time working or in town, you know, at the store uh, or at your parents' house slacking off, um, your journal will be quite slim. You really won't write a very significant book at the end of it. So when you say you write your own journal, is there literally, is it something you can read at the end? Uh, yeah, it's something you read. And, and one of the stretch goals for the game, which we really hope we'll get to, is we want to be able to let people actually print their own version. Wow. That, uh, is it pulling it all from the original Walden when you do that? All entirely. So within oh, okay. the game, there are, um, the arrowheads are all... Uh, significant pieces of text moments okay, okay. and those are made um, you know concrete with animations and, and sort of cute sort of scenes that sort of bring those those important moments to life um, but also every single object so it's a large explorable open world game every single object in the world can be what we call inspected and it will have something that throw wrote about that tree or that oh, bush, okay. or those leaves, or that rock. Because that's how we built the game. We actually did a close reading of the text, huh. and we built a world based on what he wrote about. So, what, it, uh, I'm jumping to a Thanks conclusion. for listening to Polygon News right. Are you then, you can when subscribe you look to at your the show, own journal, every episode delivered automatically yes, as soon as it's yeah, released. Yeah, that's really neat. Visit so polygon.com slash newsroom for links to subscribe to iTunes, or to download each episode as an MP3. That is really if you subscribe cool. to the idea. podcast and in iTunes, we'd also appreciate it if you rated the show. Really. It's interesting. Are you familiar with some of the other things people have done to explore books in different ways other than just recreating them in video games? Yeah, I mean, which ones are you thinking of? Well, I know, I actually haven't seen it. I, I, I saw someone talking about Ulysses. They're, they were talking about... You know, it's so funny because everyone asks me, what do I do next? And I always laughingly say Ulysses. And I heard someone was going to do that. Yeah, so I'm really interested to see what happens. And then there was the thir- uh, 39, 42 steps. I always forget how many steps it is. Yes, yeah, so that's more of like an art. Yeah, and yeah. it's like this weird thing where you can go in and sort of explore settings in the book. Exactly. Um, do you, when you decided you want, well, was Walden your idea? Yes. It was. So when you decided to do that, what was it that drew you to it? Was it was it the writer, the fact that it was a book, or what, what was it? Well, it's a series of things, and um, one of which is right before I went into academia full-time, I, clo- I, had, a, I, w- I was, had my own startup, and I closed that startup, and I was kind of, I went on a soul-searching trip across the country. I drove 10,000 miles across the country, wow. and I just ought to, I don't know why, I threw my old copy of, of Walden in the car with me, you know? And I have many relatives in um, uh, New England, and I, I, one of my destinations was to go visit them. So I wound up at Walden Pond uh, on a rainy day, um, was coming from my aunt's house, 
with my book of, of, of Walden with me and going down there and reading it in the place, I suddenly had a different feeling about it than I ever did before. When I read it as a kid, I was just interested in the ants and having battles and all that stuff. And when I read it as a, in, in college and high school, I was interested in the politics, you know. Right. And then that day, I became really interested in the feeling, the feeling of contemplation at that place and how I realized how important it was to be connected to that place when you read the book. But no one, I mean, hardly anyone gets to actually go there, you know, right. relatively. Uh, and, and have that experience. And I remember I wrote in my journal, I was like, I'd like to make a game about Walden, but I don't know how. And that was, um, you know, 2002. And I put that away and I, and, and I and went on and did all many, many things. Thanks for listening to Polygon Newsworthy. You can subscribe to the show and get every episode delivered automatically as soon as it's released. Visit polygon.com slash newsworthy for links to subscribe in iTunes, your podcast player of choice, or to download each episode as an MP3. If you subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, we'd also appreciate it if you rated the show. Really, it would mean a lot.